0: You are listening to the Genesis Podcast, a community of faith, love, and hope. As we look to the scriptures, it is our desire to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. Thank you guys so much for that. I want to ask a question just before I get started If I could see a show of hands, how many of you consider Genesis your home and your church? Can I see your hands? Okay. It's good to to see all of you here together. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad you're here to celebrate with us this time that we have together. Again, happy Easter. It's good to see all of you here this morning. As I was thinking about what I wanted to do and share with you, I was thinking about the transition that Easter has been for me. And I love transitions. I love when there are moments where you'll see a change of direction, and it could happen globally. You know, with nations, you think of the transition of when the United States of America first began and what it set in motion or or China not too long ago when they opened their doors and lifted the, the bamboo curtain and now we see what has taken place and how they are just kind of leading The way, as far as the industrial uh, revolution is concerned, and the technology, and and it doesn't happen just on a global scale, it happens on an individual scale, or it happens, you know, with trends. You see, music, you see see style, and there will be a transition to a certain type of music where technical music maybe began in the 80s, but then it turned all the way to, to rave and what we have now. There's so many things that happens. Those transitions, if you see the moment of them, you actually can start to see the direction that they are going to lead us in. It happens, I think, in my own life. I think when I got married, that was a big transition. All of a sudden, my life changed directions. When I had kids, that was a big transition. If I would have known then, you will not sleep for the next 30 years, I would have been able to continue just aware of those things. But it forever changed the trajectory of my life. And Easter has been that for me as well. I've always kind of been fond of Easter. I mean, it's you get chocolate. You know, I got baskets of eggs when I was a kid, even though I didn't know too much of what it was about. But I remember early on, it was going to the Hollywood Bowl because they had a a mass there, like some ungodly hour. It was like five in the morning or something like that. And, you know, I was maybe... 10 years old, and what 10-year-old wants to get up at 4 in the morning to go outside and be cold and listen to a guy talk in Latin for, you know, an hour? It was just like, the only good part of that morning was the hot chocolate that we got, you know, and I just nursed that thing as long as I could. But, But then when I became a follower of Christ, Easter meant something different. It was about the resurrection of Jesus, and so now it had more depth to its meaning in my life. But if I'm going to be honest with you, even that has transitioned again. Because I think if we see Easter as an event that happened, and we believe that Jesus died, rose again from the dead, even if you believe that, if that's what Easter is to you, I think it needs to transition again. And I think it needs to become more. Turn with me to John chapter 20. We're going to be in this chapter and we're going to start at verse 11. We get this account, John's account. I love his account of the resurrection because it involves so many people and so many nuances in how it's presented. So in verse 11, John chapter 20, verse 11 says, Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one on the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to, Mar- said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your father to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that, she had, that he had said these things to her. Mary was going to the tomb to see Jesus, not to see Jesus, but to show her respect for Jesus. She she wasn't going to encounter who Jesus was. She was actually going to encounter who she thought he was. And so she went to the tomb because she loved Jesus for who he was, even though he was no longer who she thought he was. When he died... With him died their hopes. With him died their future. With him, for many of them, died their faith. And as this took place, they still loved him. They, they still cared for him, even though they had hoped that he was going to be the one who was going to deliver Israel and be with them. This wasn't what they had thought, but they still loved him. They still cared for him And Jesus asked the question, the same question that the angels asked, Woman, why are you crying? Now, that's a question I've never had the nerve enough to ask a woman who's crying. When I see a woman crying, I just kind of want to leave it alone. It's like, I'm, I'm sure there's a good reason there. I'll just let you have your little cry there. But Jesus steps into that and he asks, Why are you crying and who is it that you're looking for? And I wonder, why is he asking? He knows. He knows why she's there. He knows why she's crying. But really what's happening is he's trying to help her to see things differently. And so he's engaging her where she's at in the emotion of what she's feeling. But again, she is there to see the Jesus or to pay respects to the Jesus she remembered But he is not the person that she remembered. He is more. And Jesus' question to her is trying to help her see that he is more. See, Mary was looking for the Jesus she knew, not the Jesus she needed to know. And I wonder if that's the case for us, where we have an awareness of Jesus, but maybe it's not the Jesus that we really need to know. Maybe our belief is in a Jesus who who died and who rose again from the dead. But maybe what we need to do is hear his voice call our name. And maybe to ask the question in our lives of why are you crying or why are you hurting or why are you without hope? Or maybe to hear the question, what are you looking for? Maybe we need to hear him asking that question of our lives today. You see... I think there's some of us who maybe don't believe in Jesus any longer. Maybe as a child you grew up in church and you had a faith, but you don't believe in Jesus any longer because, well, what we believed, it wasn't enough. The, the Jesus we believed in wasn't enough to deal with the life that we were enduring. He wasn't enough to help us through the situations that we were going through. And so we gave up believing for all the right reasons, because this Jesus was not a Jesus who could actually affect us in our life. And maybe you were right. He wasn't enough because we were coming to a Jesus who was dead and not actually to a living one. Maybe we were like Mary, going to show respects, believing in, in he, who he was, but not fully understanding who he was. And so he is questioning us, trying to bring us into a deeper belief. And we want Jesus to help us to be better human beings, right? We, we want Jesus to help us to be more loving But let's face it, a good teacher, a great humanitarian can't solve the world's problems. We have a lot of those. And what we need is more than just that. And so maybe what we were looking for was actually less than what we needed. And that's what we find with Mary. She's going to find Jesus, but the Jesus she's looking for is less than what she really needs. And I wonder how many of us have believed in a Jesus that is less than who he really is and really a lot less than what we need. It wasn't the Jesus she was looking for that she needed. It was the Jesus that was looking for her. The Jesus who was asking her, why are you crying? What are you looking for? You know, Friday we we spoke about the powerful identification of the crucifixion and the meaning of the cross and how it affects our lives. We, we talked about how it was finished; there was a final sacrifice that there was no longer a need to try and see if we are pleasing to God or or to offer something that would make God happy with us. That that has been done away with with Jesus. It was. Offered finally, once for all, the final sacrifice that appeased God. We we talked about justification, that we have someone who is actually defending us and setting us free. It's a legal term. We talked about reconciliation, that is bringing this together and making things right. It's a, a term that we used in relationships. We talked about redemption, which is actually a financial term that is to buy something back or to give something worth. And we see that the cross did all these things. But as important as those things are, we really do need something more. We need more than all of that. It continues in verse 19 as Jesus appears to his disciples. And it says, on the evening of that first day of the week, so it was a Sunday. When the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them And said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. And and so, Mary runs back, tells the disciples, but now we see that they are frightened. In one of the other Gospels, it says that they didn't believe her. And so they're there, the doors are locked because they're afraid of what could happen. They're together, but they're living in fear. And I think that paints a pretty clear picture, don't you? Maybe you're living in fear. Maybe you're locking yourself in some seclusion, afraid to open your life up afraid of what might happen to you. And, and so we see this with them. They are locked in a room, prisoners to their fears because their belief, their hopes, and their faith, they were crucified with Christ and they're dead. They're not sure what's going to happen to them. They, they know that the same people who were responsible for Jesus going to the cross are now looking for them. And so they're fearing for their life. And I think so many of us can identify with this. We've been hurt, we've been wounded. And so we lock the doors of our hearts, but we may actually be locking out the one who we need to let in as well. You see, the way we are wired is very interesting. When we shut ourselves out to being hurt, when we wanna stop being vulnerable because maybe we've been injured, we don't realize that we don't just stop the hurt, but we also stop the love. We also stop the ability to actually have joy. We actually stop the ability to have peace because we can't dissect our lives and just seclude ourselves. Well, I'm just going to stop this kind of pain. Well, when you numb yourself here, you actually numb all of who you are. And so as we kind of close up to the things that have hurt us, we actually can close up to the God who is wanting to heal us. And we find them in this situation. And then all of a sudden, in verse 19, Jesus is there. Even though the doors are locked, he kind of does this kind of strange thing, and he's there. And the first thing he says is, peace to you, because that's the first thing you have to say when all of a sudden you show up in a room and the doors are locked. Okay. In fact, he says it twice. It's kind of like chill. all right? It's okay. Because he wants them to know that I'm here to bring healing. And then something interesting happens. Verse 21, he breathes on them. And that's such a strange thing. I mean, you think of, it's not usually a good term when someone breathes on you, right? Like in the morning, if you're married, <laughs> and they're breathing on you. I mean, I'm breathing on you right now, but I didn't want to bring it up, you know, because that'd make everyone feel uncomfortable. You're actually breathing on each other right now. But you see, this is actually a picture to the beginning of creation when God breathed in man and made him a living being. This is kind of reminiscent of that. As God breathed into Adam, making him a living soul, Jesus is breathing back into humanity that which which was lost, that which is broken, that which was forgotten. He is restoring the life of God in them. And you see, that's really what we need. We don't just need a good teacher. We don't just need good instructions. We don't just need to believe that Jesus died for our sins and rose again from the dead. What we need is the life of God in us. And that is why the resurrection is so important because now this is symbolic of His Spirit. The word for breath is pneuma. The word for spirit is pneuma. He is breathing in them the Spirit of God, to bring life back into us. And once again, we see a transition taking place. These disciples were following Jesus, but now they are alive with the life of Jesus himself. Eternal life does not begin after you die. It begins before you die. And you see, you don't have to fear death if you are alive. But there has to be a transition that takes place where we no longer believe that this is just an event that happened, but we believe that this is a life that God is giving today, right now. It's available to us here. And it's an important transition because if they remain wounded and without hope, it will transfer to everything they do. It will end with them right there. The word to inspire means to give breath, to fill with breath. You see, he inspired them to live. And maybe right now what we need is to be inspired to live. Maybe you're existing and you're struggling, but what you need is to be inspired. You need the breath of God in you to quicken you, to make you alive, to give you a hope that is beyond your circumstances, whether they be good or bad. To give you life. As the story continues, we have Thomas in verse 24 it says, now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the 12, was not there when the disciples, with the disciples when Jesus came. What a bummer, right? You missed it. You weren't there. Where were you, Thomas? We were here on Sunday, and you weren't here when Jesus came. It's like we went to the Ellen show, and she was giving out Louis Vuitton bags, you know, and you weren't there. You missed it. We we went to, you know, the store and they were giving out season tickets to the Dodger game and, and you missed it. You weren't there. Where were you? So Thomas wasn't there. Verse 25. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hands into his side, I will not believe. See, I I think maybe one of the reasons Thomas wasn't there was because, again, the depression that sinks in. Because when we are depressed, we isolate ourselves. We don't want to be around people. We don't want to have to interact because there's a hurt that we're feeling that we kind of start to stew in. It starts to become our safe zone. And so them telling him, We've seen him. He, he's, he's alive. It wasn't enough for him to believe. And you think, man, these are his friends. I mean, there's James and John, the sons of thunder, right? I mean, these guys, you got you to gotta believe them. There's Peter. Well, Peter said a lot of things. Maybe he wouldn't believe Peter. But then what about, you know, the other guys? There's Nathaniel. You know, here is an Israelite in whom there's no guile. There's Bartholomew. We don't know what he did, you know, but he was there. He, and then there's the women, Johanna. And then there's Mary and Mary and Mary because there were a lot of Marys, right? And, and so here are all these people saying, you've got to believe this, but it's not penetrating his heart because the wound is so deep that he cannot hear the hope that they are speaking. He, he cannot sense the life that they are wanting to give him. And so, verse 26, it says, a week later. That means the next Sunday. It means they went back to church the Sunday after Easter. Just throwing it out there. Just Just an idea. And so, a week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was there this time with them. You have believed, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. How did Jesus know that this is what Thomas said? He he wasn't there. But he was. And so here in this place of doubt, we see that Jesus heard and was there, and was able to step into that place. I wonder, how many scars does Jesus have to bear for us to believe? Why did he have to rise and maintain those scars? And maybe it was for Thomas, because he wouldn't believe if he didn't see that. How many scars does he have to to bear for us to believe? See, this is bigger than our ability to understand with just our brains. This this goes to the core of who we are as human beings. He goes on in verse 30 and says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these, now this is why they're written. This is why everything is written. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. See, this is written so that you might believe that he is the anointed one. He is the promise of God. And that you might have this life that he has breathed onto his disciples, breathed into your own life that you might understand this. You see, but sometimes we have a hard time. We try and figure this out, but trying to get a hold of God with your brains is like trying to get a hold of oxygen with your hands instead of your lungs. You just can't fully grasp it. It is too much for you to understand, but something inside of you knows that it's true. It calls out from within you to the God who is actually calling out to you. And like Mary at the tomb, you're crying and you're looking for for something but it's not what you really need then god shows up the god that you need who is alive he calls your name and he says i am here for you i need to give you what you cannot give yourself i need to breathe god's life into you so that you can be alive and these things are written so that that can take place within you and within me The reason Jesus breathes on us is because what he is, is what we need now. It's not what we're looking for on a surface level. But it is what we need. See, love isn't what we thought it was. It's really what love is. And It's not what we thought life was. It's the life as it is. You know, love is is a strange thing. It it grows and it changes. I think of those who are the dearest to me. I I think of my wife when I, I first knew her, when I first said, I love you to her. I was infatuated. I love you. It was so sappy and silly and fun. But when I say I love you now, it's got years behind it, and it's a lot deeper than I ever would have dreamed it was back then. And it might not always be so happy and jovial, but now it has roots. Now it has depths. I had no idea what love was back then or what it could be. But now I'm beginning to see. And and I think God is still wanting to see there is so much more. You do not know love until I give that love to you. You don't know life until I give my life to you. And he's calling us for more. What we need is not to believe in the resurrection But to live a resurrected life, why wait to die, to rise from the dead? Why not do it with the next breath you take? Why not connect to God right now? You see, I know I believe in the resurrection when I care about those who are hurting and in need. See, I know the resurrection when I reach out to those who are depressed, to those who are alone, those who are lost. I know the resurrection when I give my life to bring life to others in some way. See, I know resurrection when the breath of God fills my lungs and I live a resurrected life. And it has to transition from knowing about a Jesus who has risen from the dead to living a resurrected life with the living Christ. And that's the trans- transition that needs to take place in our lives. You see, God is a name we use that we talk about when we're searching for him. But Jesus is the name we use when we talk about the God who has been searching for us. Thomas, looking for something, thought he found it in Jesus, and then he thought it was gone. But he didn't realize that all along, it was Jesus reaching for him. When my kids were little, we used to play hide and seek. And they were terrible at it when they're small. Kids are terrible, you know. They're noisy. They're walking around. Wait, is he here? Is he here? And I just keep moving. You know, I just keep relocating. You know, they'd look in there and they'd go, okay, go back over there. They look, they won't look again. And I just keep moving and going on and on and on. And I could have stayed stayed hidden forever. I could have went outside, got in the car, and laughed, you know. They'd have been searching to this day to try and find me. I mean, you see, the fun of it was that I wanted to be found. The fun of it was when they would see me and they'd scream and they'd yell and they'd come running at you. Because I really didn't want to hide from them. I really wanted them to find me. And some of you feel that God is elusive and he's out there somewhere and and he's distant and and you might have these beliefs. I believe in God. I believe in Jesus, but he's just so far away and you don't realize that he's not far, That he's wanting to be found by you. And maybe that's the transition that needs to take place. It's beautiful when you think you found God, but it was him wanting to find you all along. And as he says, the verse 31, these things are written that you may believe that he is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. My hope for you this Easter is that you will find the God who is looking for you. And that your belief will turn into life. And that this faith will be something that affects you in a deep and powerful and transforming way. Because if it's just a belief that you hold, then you're like Mary looking for the dead one of the Gospels that says, why do you look for the living among the dead? Maybe you're still looking for Jesus, but it's the dead Jesus. And maybe you're afraid to encounter the living Christ because if he breathes his life in you, what is it going to cost you? What is he going to require of you? I want to ask you this instead. What is he going to give to you? Because your soul knows that that's what you need. Let's pray. Father, we grow in life in so many areas. And I believe that this is an area where many of us need to grow again. Where we need to transition from a faith that really is dead. It believes, but there is no life in that belief. And we need to to transition to a, a faith where your life is breathed into us. And maybe we feel like we know enough I know enough about you, God. I know enough about you, Jesus, but that is not enough for my life. And so what we need is something more. What we need is your life in us. We need to be inspired. We need to be filled. We need to be redefined. And if there are some here that are doubting like Thomas, and it's just, I've trusted in God and I believed in God but it just wasn't enough maybe today is the time where you will show your scars afresh and you will say to them don't be doubting but believe and may we cry out as Thomas did my Lord and my God Jesus you are what we have needed all along, we've just been looking for the dead, and not the living. As everyone's praying, I, I know that many of you have made a decision to follow Christ, but something has spoken to your heart this morning because you know what you need is more than what you have. And I, I want to challenge you that God is wanting to give you more. And it's not that God is being elusive and distant, but we are being doubting. We aren't showing up. We aren't wanting all that he has for us because we're afraid of being hurt again. We're afraid of what he's going to require of us. But you know it's what you need. And if you want the fresh life that God gives to be breathed in you this morning, would you just raise your hand with me and just say, God, I want your breath in my life. Please give me that life. God bless you. God bless you. Lord, you see our hands. We want more. Father, I don't want to live a faith that's dead. I don't want to just believe in an event that happened. I want the event to happen in my life today. If that's you, raise your hand. And God, hear the cry of our heart. Lord, that we want your breath in us. And may you even now fill us with your spirit. Empower us to live the life that you give. May we live the resurrection by how we give this life to those around us. And I thank you for this time, Lord, a reminder for us that this day is more than an event that happened years ago, that what we are celebrating is the life that you give today. We thank you for that life. In Jesus' name, amen. Happy Easter, everyone. We're going to be here next Sunday. God bless you guys. Enjoy this time together. I know you're going to go spend with your family. God bless you guys. You have been listening to the Genesis podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings.